0: Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060 with pioneer field agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie.
1: Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. Today is September 22nd, 2021. Josh, this is episode number 81. Um, so really exciting time of the year. We're, we're moving into harvest here quite rapidly, actually. Um, this crop has has come down the home stretch, a lot of corn, black-layered a lot of guys working at some beans across the area which has been great to see but I think it kind of speaks to I mean it's obviously weather dependent how the rest of this harvest season goes but I think it could be could push us at a pretty pretty rapid pace this year.
0: Yeah I think the the consensus as we have made the round has been um, you know I'm not ready and this crop is really snuck up on on us all and I think that's kind of been the um, yeah, you know, a little bit of anxiety out there, uh, you know. But um, but on, this, on the flip side of it, it, it's it's a great thing for us, you know, being where we're at to have, you know, the soybeans and and the corn at the stage they're at. Um, you know, at, at this calendar date of September twenty second is pretty phenomenal. Probably probably as advanced as we've seen the corn crop, you know, and probably you know maybe since twenty twelve, so almost a decade. Um, but but with that said, I mean, just some really great opportunities to to get a jump start here, and obviously. Um, you know, when you get to black layer with 10 days of September, you know, it can really take some moisture off a little bit of a cool down midweek here, but the forecast still looks extremely favorable and looks like a lot of sunshine and a lot of hot upper sixties, low seventies. So, um, it's going to be, a you know, just a, a really good start to, to harvest here. And, um, you know, hopefully things go smooth and the weather in October stays good and it'll go, go good. But, uh, you know, I think one thing, Ellie, you, you know, we'll maybe talk a little bit about some early bean harvest here and, um, you know, it seems like um, some good bean yields out there um, on the early beans. You know, a few, you know, seeing a little bit of SES challenges, but it seems like one of the biggest talking points of the yeast has been, uh, you know, standability is a little bit of a, a struggle. However, the common theme is where they're flat, it's a lot more yield than when they're standing. And that's just kind of, a, um, kind of the frustrations of beans.
1: Yeah, it's bittersweet. I was joking. You know, quite seriously, I guess it is kind of the high yield lean in a in a sense where they're down more. They they're holding a lot of yield potential. So yeah, it doesn't make for a fun harvest, but when the yields there helps the situation a little bit more. And you just look at plant health wise or plant height wise, especially in your area as you get east of 52. Obviously, you know you you push that crop a little bit differently than we do to the west. But we just had so much heat throughout the vegetative growth stages. We pushed the reproductive stages really significantly, and I think that's where a lot of that. That hype has come from, um, but you know, as we've come down the line, harvest wise, I think folks are having a few challenges on the soybean side of things. Do we want to dig into that now, Josh? Or we want to talk? Yeah, more, yeah. More
0: I time? think it would be. You know, I, I've had you know that question of you know, um, you know, like the yield. You know, what can we do to to improve sustainability? And, and I don't know if I have the silver bullet answer to that. Um, obviously, it's something. You know, I'm going to keep an eye on this fall uh, as are there some trends that maybe helped it? And I think one of the challenges we're having is, you know, when you you know, when you look at these yields and we don't put tremendously high population out there in most situations anymore. But I think when you put take a, take a plant putting that much yield on and, and some of it's just a pure weight, right? There's just that many pods and that many beans hanging on there. But you also look at the stresses of a plant, to, you know, from just trying to push that much energy to that big a yield, you know, I think there's a combination there. And there there's some things we see you know, that bring height down from reduced tillage and in some herbicide programs, but you know, we'll, have to take a hard look at it and, and hopefully, you know, you know, keep bringing new varieties that can, can manage that better. But, um, you know, obviously something we got our eyes and ears on, you know, Ali and I are doing a lot of product evaluations on the, on kind of our, you know, life cycle role this week. And, uh, you know, we'll be looking at at all that stuff and seeing if there's some new things that we can, you know, pair that yield with better standability and agronomics. But uh, either way, just exciting to see these kind of bean yields and uh, kind of excited to get into the mid-group and late-group ones to see if, uh, you know, some of these high-yield trends continue.
1: Yeah, and stick around for segment two. We're going to talk a little bit more about kind of harvest considerations between both corn and beans, um, considering how fast we're pushing things along. But did want to shift, Josh, in terms of common questions from the field, been talking quite a bit about tar spot as of lately. Um, several questions just about what the spectrum of tar spot looks like in corn from different areas. It do we expect it to be yield limiting? Is it scattered enough that it's coming to play just late enough that we don't expect it to cause concern? I'll start with just my observations as we get say west of sixty three or west of sixty or west of fifty two. Um, I definitely have very scattered symptomology don't expect it to be yield limiting but certainly you can find it in most fields if you're looking for it and like you mentioned it's just we're not always looking for it just because it's not that common thing we have on top of our brain all the time but I know it looks you know a little more severe as you get east of 52 into your area
0: yeah I'm going to say compared to last year and and, you know last year we found some I found maybe just a couple fields that had quite a bit that that caught your attention this year a lot easier to find much more widespread And, and this year we are going to have some some isolated situations and that we're gonna see some yield reduction from tar spot, maybe 15 to, to 25 bushel is probably the most severe I've seen so far. With that said, you know I haven't been by anywhere near every field. So I think there's a lot more out there than we realize. I agree with you, Allie. I think you can find it in every field if you're looking for it. And in some situations it's, it's pretty pronounced, but, um, you know, if you saw some fields that shut down early, I'm not saying it's star spot in every case, but, um, definitely you see some of the change a little faster than normal. I definitely take out there and take a look to try to get a, a grasp of what's going on. Some cases, star spot alley, on the other side, we're seeing some, some stock droughts set in and that's causing, you know, some isolated ghost plants, but also seeing some whole fields shut down kind of rapidly from that as well.
1: Yeah. And, We'll talk, maybe dig into why those ghosted plants could be there and just a few factors around tar spot. We want to make sure folks are considering when it comes to uh, protecting yourself against that, should it continue to come into play in years to come, which we would expect it to So stick around for segment two. We'll talk more agronomy of what we're seeing from the field.
0: Welcome back listeners, uh, Allie and segment one. We were kind of just getting into a, um, a good conversation about tar spot there. And I think one other thing that's, that, that's came up here is, you know, Where we're seeing more tar spot, you know, what's causing it is is fungicide to cure all, you know, what do we got to do to manage this disease? Uh, You know, obviously, I think in some cases where we've seen it set in pretty strong, it's definitely caught our attention that, okay, if this ever comes a little bit earlier in the season, like August 15th, August 20th, this is going to be, you know, something to reckon with that we're going to have to take action or potentially. But what are some of our, we look at strategy, you know, looking ahead, Allie, what's going to be our, you know, our big, big management practices to manage this disease?
1: So I like to start with hybrid tolerance to tar spot. So it's important to remember that tar spot is not, we do not have any hybrids that are resistant to tar spot, but we do understand which of our hybrids have the best tolerance against tar spot. Um, And really that becomes the name of the game. Once tar spot sets into that field, you need to have a hybrid that can keep itself alive longer, essentially to protect itself against tar spot. So stay green amongst hybrids becomes a really big deal. Um, You mentioned fungicide. I know our our brains always seem to go to fungicide when we're talking about some of these diseases. Um, Certainly fungicide, there's a lot of fungicides now that are labeled for suppression of tar spot. Um, But because this disease ramps up so quickly, how tar spot helps us is that timing of application becomes key. So in a lot of cases in a year, we're still going to go out, make our, our typical plan VT application if that's the management plan for that field. And then as we see onset of tar spot in that field, it won't be out of the realm to be looking at making an additional fungicide application to extend the plant life um, of that, of that corn crop. And so, you know, it's different than other diseases. Sometimes we think about rotation of crops, maybe helping our cause, but the sporulation of tar spot is just so significant um, that really that doesn't do much to help us protect ourselves against tar spot. So those are the things that I'm thinking about. Um, Any other key things that your mind goes to when you think about, protection against
0: tar spot, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of reiteration, you know, variety selection being, you know, the number one thing and, and I think with the pressure this year, we're going to be able to, to maybe, you know, we don't score for tar spot yet across you know, the industry. Um, I do think this year we will be able to to really probably categorize our, our commercial lineup really well of what's, you know, Hey, what's, number, you know, what, what's the, in the premium bucket, the best, what's the middle, you know, and and kind of categorize it that way, you know, one of the things that comes up, I've had some saying where fungicide is good, should we start moving our fungicide later? And in some cases, if you're doing some pre-tassel fungicide, I don't think that'd be a bad thing, but taking where we're targeting R1, R2 for that really big yield bump and and agronomic improvement, moving that back to R3 beyond, I think that's a little bit of a, I'm not saying it wouldn't help, but it's really hard to sacrifice all that yield gain on the front side to try to protect something that we don't know is gonna for sure be there in the backside. But you know, I think understanding I'd stay the course, but also I'm understanding that if this ever sets in bad, we're probably gonna be looking at a quick turnaround second application. Um, but those are some things to consider, but, but 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 you just cannot overlook variety selection. If you don't got a variety that's at least giving you some, some def- decent defense, it's gonna be a very narrow window to save yourself on the backside.
1: Yeah, so certainly let us know if you have any questions and if it catches your eyes you are rolling through the combine, don't hesitate to give us a call so we can talk through what that looks like in terms of management for years to come. But, you know, a few thoughts about maybe soybean harvest here. We talked about the fact that harvest has started on soybeans. We've got a bulk of the early maturity soybeans out. Um, I think yields have been. They definitely range depending on where we have more moisture in areas over others, but strong results so far, in my opinion, Um, have even had some guys working on some 1.8 as of these past couple of days, obviously brought a little bit of moisture back into the the profile. So folks might be working on some early corn instead of beans right now. Um, But I think, you know, knowing that we brought a little moisture back into these fields, a hot topic before we got this rain, the, the soybean fields, you had a lot of green plants in some fields, Josh, and you had some really dry really dry so you were you were averaging out still at a point of really pretty dry moisture on the soybean side of things so it just raised those questions of do we keep rolling on beans do we need to wait to get some rain back into them what does management look like as we understand those are drying down on us pretty significantly
0: yeah if we're in our target moisture we got to keep going and I think the rain on um on Monday there is going to help us balance out as we get back into beans here. Hopefully we, we balance some of that out. A lot of times that first rain will actually balance out that, that moisture range a little bit. And hopefully that, that holds true. Um, But I think the big thing here, a lot of, I think, you know, as we get into the weekend here, a lot of the maturities up to probably late group one are going to get ready. And just a matter of, you know, just, you know, anytime we can, the beans get ripe, we want to get them right away. If you go through more moisture wet cycles, you know, after they've been ready the first time we just lose yield. So just being after it, and then the other thing LA's, I think about, you know, just this harvest season in general is we got a major soybean corn overlap going on right now that, you know, some of the 94, five, six day corn is really coming down in moisture in some cases into the low 20s, you know, where some guys taking stuff out at 22%, you know, the beans are at the same time. And uh, I guess if I have any advice, you know, we just got to be efficient and stay after it's, um, you know, don't, don't worry that the calendar September, look at the crop stage and really push like it's mid October. Um, but on the flip side, if we do get quarter inch rain and beans can't go for a day i think we're really going to have to switch over and take advantage of that day and go get some dry corn and get that out otherwise my fear is that you know i always say don't look at the calendar and think about corn and stock quality look at the gdus you know we got we have mid to late october gdus and when you think about that you know we probably got mid to late october stocks on the corn here in late september as well where we got to think about that but i think my my biggest advice for harvest alley is we just gotta and take advantage every day and I, it sucks switching out but I think in some cases it's going to be the thing to do.
1: Yep be prepared you know ready to go and be sure to reach out to us so we can help you understand maybe where we prioritize over others. We'll be back next week with more commentary from the field as harvest progresses across southeast Minnesota.
0: You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFILAM 1060.